listening to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, where women who are ready to expand their life adventure discover the tools to stop playing small and tap into the courage required to enjoy their second wind. Welcome. Welcome. You are listening to Second Wind Podcast, and I am here today because I wanted to encourage you to play full out with your life, get to know you. I want to inspire you to dream bigger, bigger than you are today. And I want to inform you on how to get there. Now, I do that through having the most awesome guests on Second Wind, where they share their stories about inspiration, about courage, about challenges, and their knowledge of how they got there. So they're living their second wind. So my guest today is Gail Hamilton. Now, Gail is a National Speaker Association certified speaker, and she is internationally known by virtual, and she does live speaker speaking, of course. She has spoken in TED Talks in Breckenridge, Colorado. I am so envious of that, Gail, because I want to get I have the courage to get on TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. things are possible. I know. <laughs> All things. She is an author of Soaring into Greatness, a blind woman's vision to live her dreams and fly. Yes, she is a trainer, an opera singer, and totally blind. She faced the fears, negativities, and self-blinding beliefs that could have stopped her from experiencing life to the fullest. This is the power of her message. Most of us face those same fears, negative thoughts, and self-blinding. I love the way you use this word, Gail. It is so spot on. Self-blinding beliefs using them as excuses for us to stop. Don't play, don't live, don't enjoy life. But you had the, you had this challenge, even had the physical challenge and Gail has faced this successfully. Now she has a BA degree from William Woods University, master's of music degree from Pittsburgh State University she took doctoral studies at the University of Colorado and received a master's degree in psychology and counseling from Naropi. Am I saying that? Naropa. Naropa. Sounds like an Indian name, possibly. Sounds like it. Yeah, since it's in Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> That's why I say that. Yes. So welcome. I am so thrilled that you are here with us today. I'm so fun. Glad to be here. And I, I think we're going to have fun. I think we are too. <laughs> you know, I, I love your words, how you used it in, in your, in your book. Um, it, it just, as I was doing your interview, I always rewrite the interviews and play with them a little bit. And I went, oh, that is so clever of her <laughs> to oh. use your words the way you did. So anyway, I was the first thing I think most people want to know when we are talking with a blind person is how, how were you blind from birth? Did you become blind after life? Do, do you mind sharing that story with us? Oh, no, no, no. It's all good. Um, I became, I was born in 1953. Mm-hmm. I'm a twin oh. and yeah, yeah. And, and no, he was not affected. <laughs> Everybody says that. No, he's good. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we were two and a half months premature. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So we weighed two pounds and our waist was, oh, what, what? If you put your finger together in a circle, um, they were that big. Oh, and my. yeah, so we were, they could, my dad used to put us together. I've heard the story uh, uh-huh. in a shoebox. It's like, oh. Like, so I say, I'm the right shoe, you know. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> My brother can be the left shoe. I'm the right. And right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they put us 
in incubators and yeah. it was the 100% pure oxygen for six weeks that yeah. damaged my eyes. Didn't hurt his, oh. but since I was two pounds, you know, I was, I think I was more susceptible than he was. So, um, so I had partial sight until yeah. I was 11 and then I got cataracts. So at, as a kid, I could, I could read headline newsprint. I could, mm -hmm. I could draw. I loved to draw. I could uh, ride a bike. I could watch TV really, really close, you know, right. so I, I could do some things. Yes. And um, yeah. So, yeah. So at 11, that must've been just crushing, just crushing to lose your eyesight. Yeah. And especially since my parents didn't talk about it. So one day I'm riding bikes and I'm chasing butterflies and yeah. being a kid. And yeah. then the next day, not the next day, it took a three months or four months for the cataracts to come over my eyes. And yeah. over that summer, it was like, then I started running into walls and, and, oh. and falling into trash cans. And, and yeah. it's like, what is going on? And my parents yeah. didn't talk about it. And so, because you don't want to talk about the elephant in the living room for right. peace sakes, that would be horrible. And so, especially to your own child, you know, right. and so um, the, the way, well, two things happened. One, one was I figured out like, and, and in my head, uh -huh. the, what happened was my, like, the inner vision, the, our imagination started right. taking over at the same time as my outer right. vision started going away. And so yes. I couldn't figure out, this really sounds weird to people. I, I couldn't figure out if I could see or not. <laughs> so like, do I, wow. I, don't, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. Cause my inner visions, cause in my head, I still say that to the day I go uh -huh. still blind. Cause in my head, I see, Except, uh, you know, I, I run into the wall and I go, oh, still blind, you know, because oh. it just always shocks me still, you know, <laughs> all these years later, it's like, Gail, you ought to be used to it by now. You got talking computers and uh, seeing eye dogs right. and <laughs> you, ought, you so, ought to figure out that you're blind. So, Gail, when you think of a tree, having that 11 years of partial sight, mm -hmm. do you, you vision a tree? Can yeah. you envision the color? Yeah, I put green yes. leaves on it and I brown yeah. trunk and yeah. and depends on where, you know, if I'm talking about my childhood, then I think of an oak tree that the trunk went up straight yes. and then it had that it had a big long limb that went to the right. Yes. So when I think of that, because I used to climb that, so I think yes. of that. Otherwise, you know, they say Christmas tree, then I go, okay, green, evergreen, you know, whatever those Christmas trees would look like. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, depending on what, most of the time, it's just a trunk and has branches and leaves and there yeah. you go. You know, I don't yeah. do anything too special to it. Yeah. Uh, unless somebody shows me, like, <laughs> I went to Indiana a few years back and they, yeah. a friend of mine showed me a willow tree and I went, oh, how cool is this? You know, so I played around <laughs> in the willow things, but yeah. I wouldn't have had that in my head because I didn't see that when I was a child. Yeah. So, you know, right. so whatever I saw is what I envision until somebody shows me something different. And right. I finally figured out one day I was blind by, I took a piece of paper and it's in my book and I, uh -huh. I drew my name. And at the end of Gail, the L, I drew a line down to the bottom of the page. And then I thought, if I could see that, I'll know that's uh -huh. ugly and I'll know I have sight. But if I can't see that, then I, then I know I'm blind. And so oh. I did it and I drew it down mm -hmm. and I couldn't see it. Then I went, Ah, oh, I'm blind. Okay. And, but then there's, there was nobody to talk to. And three years later to finish that story, my, um, I had one of those teenage blow up kind of things and I, you don't even know why I'm blind. And <laughs> so my parents took me to eye doctor and they went, well, you have cataracts and we might've been able to do something three years ago, but we can't do anything now. Cause now they embedded oh, it they into my eyes. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the way that was. Yes. Well, I mean, I just can't imagine at 11 how you could uh, get all this straight in here. You know, I mean, yeah, just yeah. so much fear that have to be around it and just the closing in of your world that how did you get to the part where you became the master of your world, which you certainly mm -hmm. are today 
in that that you've achieved so much, but there had to be a a, a guide, something. And since your parents didn't step up, maybe as you would have liked, right? But um, how did you make that big gorge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it and it came by little steps and uh-huh. and some big ones uh my grandma was the first that she, as a kid who nurtured guided and empowered me she was mm-hmm. always there um mm-hmm. she gave me a record of jonathan livingston siegel that uh-huh. kept me going because i just kept thinking there has to be more to life than just grappling on the earth for crumbs there has to yes. be a way to fly so that was my inspiration to kind of fly the my voice teacher when i was studying music as my master's degrees Uh she saw me as a singer that happened to be blind not a blind singer so yeah so that Mm -hmm. that kept me going during those years and then then I hit my the doctorate studies and the master's in psychology and counseling and I hit a relationship which that's where I hit pretty rock bottom and I was suicidal for several times during a 10-year period and I was in a wrong relationship and it was really hard. Oh. And then at the end of that 10 year period, my therapist and, and healing happened little by little during the therapy and just uh-huh. getting over because I had abuse as a child and, uh, you know, plus being blind and the societal discriminations and you name it. I think yep. I did it. And right. so finally, after talking and I did gestalt therapy, so we kicked and screamed, (laughs) whatever to get it out of my body, all that feelings. And so after doing that for 10 years and in healing and healing, a little more, a little more, and a relationship finally ended. And it's like, oh, you know, that was hard. That helped. Oh, my gosh. Because in my head, I was married for life, you know, but to the wrong person who kept putting me down, you know. So finally, at the end of that 10-year period, I... She said, read a book by Lynn Grabhorn called Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And I always tell people, ah. you, can read, you can read two books. You can read mine and hers. Oh, cool. All things are possible, you know. Yes. But phenomenal book. But in that, she said that what you think, so you create. That what, uh, you know, you, you have choice in your thoughts and your thoughts create your destiny. And I went, oh i mean it was i mean my therapist had been saying that but finally and not only did i read her book but she had all kinds of things to do to Mm -hmm. to go from the victim to the creator and i went oh and i started doing them i started doing affirmations i started seeing what i believed and believe what i see and feeling it in my body not just envisioning it in my head but just totally believing it from my head to my toes Mm -hmm. and and then the phenomenal things started happening the build a habitat house i became miss colorado senior america i wrote the book i went to australia last year before the pandemic you know to speak i know no i wanted to speak i so i tried i but since then i came back and i've spoken on at least two maybe three Australia radio shows. Oh, podcast. good. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. I guess I could say I have spoken in Australia, but yes. <laughs> it wasn't at the time, which I really wanted to do, but no. Yes. But I climbed the Sydney Harbor Bridge and went to the opera, so that was cool. I mean, I'm amazed when I was reading your bio of all the things you have accomplished. And I know in your book, you've even shared more of those things. Why did you choose what you did? Now, I understand the voice because we're companion spirits there mm. and loving to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you took it a step further and fear just stopped me from taking it further. Lack mm-hmm. of confidence, you know, um, but you did go further. You studied, you are singing, you are still performing. Yes. And so um, how did you choose like to go into therapy? which you have, right? Yeah. Not your therapy, I mean, study psychology, sorry. Oh, okay, I, I okay. That. Sorry, I okay. that. Sorry, that that's all right, that's all right. Uh, go into psychology. You know, the singing thing, I, I love to sing. I love yeah. 
whatever I do, I, I choose to love it. You know, it's like, if you don't love it, why do it? Um, <laughs> I agree. I know. Just saying, why, why go do something you just hate? Yeah. So I, so singing, I just love, I wanted to be a concert singer, be on the stage. I, I just saw myself and I believed I could do it. I believe I could walk on a piano and, and I still think that, I mean, eyes shouldn't prevent you from doing that right in my head now yeah. out there in the world there's 90 percent disc uh, discrimination of blind people having jobs and so sighted people don't you know they can't envision how we can walk down a flight of stairs much less sing on the opera stage you know mm -hmm. and and i didn't i realized that at the time, you know, there wasn't an Andre Pacelli to lead my way. But mm -hmm. at the time, it's like, okay, I mean, I did some operas in grad school, and mm -hmm. and and that was fabulous. But my teacher right. believed in me. She, yes. As I think I told you, she saw me as a singer to have me blind, not a blind singer. So yeah. there's a difference. But other people didn't see me as that. And so I recognized that and said, okay, if they won't let me be an opera singer, I will just hold my hand on the hand of the accompanist and I'll go out and I'll be a concert singer. Well, mm -hmm. they still discriminated against me. And so it's like, really? 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 Why would, really? They, do, why would well, they do that? I don't understand. I don't know. That. Probably their own insecurity or maybe they thought since they didn't make it, how could I? You know, maybe right. they put that projection. Yeah. And then the bad news was because I believed my parents that I wasn't good enough and that I'd never be anything in some right. ways. I believed them to be true as well. So I of said, course. okay, you must be right. I, I guess I won't <laughs> be an opera singer. So then I said, well, what am I going to do? I said, well, maybe I'll go and I will uh, teach voice. I'll go to the University of Colorado. And I, by golly, I can do that. Well, they mm -hmm. discriminated too. And, and, and I believed them again. So yes. then by the time I got to my master's in psychology and I got there because I thought, well, maybe I, I can help other blind people overcome and sighted people, their fears and beliefs and, right. and get them, assist them in, in living the life they want to live. Right. And little did I know that they too would discriminate against me and say, well, you can't be a psychotherapist, you're blind. And I went, really? Now I didn't fight <laughs> the first two because yeah. I didn't have that ability. But by the time the third discrimination came, I had started my own psychotherapy and I started not uh -huh. only to have my singing voice, but a speaking voice. Uh -huh. And then I stood up to him and took him to mediation and I got my master's in psychology and I practiced for about 10 years. During that time, I was suicidal. I also practiced psychotherapy. It was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, teach so what you need to learn. So there really was something that said you couldn't be this profession because of your blindness? Yeah. Yeah. People really? all the way through. Yeah. All the way through. Wow. Yeah. The singing one. Yeah. All three, all three degrees. They, that, people is said that. that is amazing to me. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, if you never walk that path, you just don't know, Gail. Yeah. You, just, you yeah. know, we we're like naive, you know? Oh yeah, um, of course. So, yeah. and then we're also talking about, you know, you've changed things. That's wonderful. Well, yeah, I said, I'm going to it for other people. Yeah. You know, it was like sort of like sing my own song. I, I kept performing. I've taught piano for 40 years. I and then I went, you well, teach piano? Too? Uh -huh. I do. You don't have that on your resume. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I should put that on there. Uh, yeah. Got to put everything on there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't have any students at the moment because the pandemic and people are Still, oh, I get that. You know, yeah. So not, no, nobody has come back. But yeah, I've taught piano for 40 years. And I just do what I, what, you know, what can I do? Well, I can teach piano. Right. Well, I have a mouth. I can talk. Okay, great. <laughs> I have fingers. I can write. So, you yes. know, I do blogs. I've yes. written a book. You know, I speak. I do podcasts. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. so I just do what I can do because I don't want to, I don't want to choose to be the victim. Right. I want to choose to be the creator. And that, right. which is the opposite of victim. So I'm, I'm just choosing to go that way and just keep doing what I can do. But don't you find that in your coaching and being exposed and speaking to that, no matter if you're sighted or not, we all have the same fears, mm -hmm. doubts, mm -hmm. stoppers, 
I call them. Yeah. yeah. Really say we're, we're not worth it. We're not good enough. And we get those from our parents. Our first, parents. first of all, in society, maybe in teachers after that, but our yeah. parents. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's I why did, I did the therapy. I did the therapy because I wanted to get rid of all that. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I, why was I so depressed? Why was, what, what happened to me? Oh, you've been abused. I mean, you know, sexually, yeah. well, that yeah. would stop anybody from doing anything, you know, right. and, and, yeah. and society discrimination. I wanted to get, I wanted to get that out of my body and head and, and, and took 10 years, but I wanted to live a life of greatness. You know, there was yeah. always that piece of me that said there has to be something more there and you have to go towards the hope yeah you know yeah i mean there are lots of blind people i know that sit at home and like you said other people but Mm -hmm. blind people and they sit at home and woe is me and they eat bonbons and they watch tv and they can't do this because they're blind and they're victims and they Mm -hmm. don't go walking and they don't do exercise and they eat crap all day long and Mm -hmm. which gets them more depressed and they wonder why life isn't working out it's like you have choice yeah no you can sit there and choose to do that or not and even during the pandemic you know first too much you go whoa you know, and then after a while, I went, I can still write, I can still talk, <laughs> you know, I can still make music, you know, yeah. and I'm in my apartment, but I still can do these things, you yes. know, I can still exercise, I can walk up and down the stairs, I can take Zoom exercise classes, even though my building's fitness center is closed, you know, I, yeah. I choose not to be a victim of my circumstances. So tell us that so you sort of opened the door for your book in writing. Now, why did you tell me the reasons you wanted to write that book? Will you share yeah. that with us? Yeah, because there's a lot of reasons. I yeah, think. there's a yeah, it, mainly because I wanted to speak my truth. That I, I realized that my feelings were genuine and my experiences were valid. And mm-hmm. my parents told me otherwise. And I wanted to say, no. I mean, this was my, <laughs> you know, when you're a victim, when you're being abused, you don't ever say no, because if you say no, you're going to get hurt yes. more. Yes. So you just like, okay, just keep abusing me, keep beating me up, keep sexually penetrating me. It's okay, because you don't have that power to fight, you know? Yes. So, so with the book, I wanted to say, hey, you know, yeah, this is what I experienced. This is what was in my head. This is what's yes. in my body. Here's, this is my life. Welcome uh-huh. to it. Um, uh-huh. pe- some people have said, it's so victim-y. I go, well, yeah, maybe the first 300 pages, but you know, <laughs> it, it, the, but it improves. The ending is great. Check out the ending. You know, you got to read it to the end. You know, don't just read the first five pages and give up. You know, it has a good ending, you know, and it has pictures in the back, just saying. But I wrote it because I wanted to give people hope. I wanted to let them know they weren't alone. I wanted to let them know that all things are possible. And whatever the it is in your life, you can overcome that it. And get on the other side. I mean, so yeah. that was that was part of it too. Besides, for my own self, and and then writing, of course, there was a cathartic part. The yeah. cool thing about being blind is I can type and cry at the same time. It was totally possible. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about oh, my eyes are too blurry with tears. I can't see the screen. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just kept typing. So yeah. yeah, there is something about being able to get that pain out of your body. Right. And it's very important to do. Yeah. Because it stays lodged in the most uncomfortable oh, absolutely. places. Absolutely. And it will stay there and cause disease unless you do get it out. So it's right. really important unless you want disease, because disease will come somewhere right. if you don't get it out of your body. Yeah. 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 Do you I'm I'm just kind of throwing this out there for discussion. Do you think that that people that go through really really difficult what's the difference in that person that sits there and does nothing and that person that finds the inner strength Mm. to to say forget you I am doing this what are we born with it are we do we get to the point we're just fed up there's something different because I see it in peers that lose their husbands and they, it's like their life ends and it just becomes a, a, a settling problem from there on. 
they become the babysitters and not the doers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. They take a second seat to their life. And it's like, where does that difference come? Because, you know, I've faced things as well in my life, not you know, I think yours are so much greater, but they've been just as painful as yours oh, sure, were. Sure. And and I, I just I just don't want to do that in my life. Now, what makes that different? What? How does yeah. it? Do you have an idea? You yeah, have, I'm I'm thinking here. Yeah, the, what comes to me is that we we get stuck somewhere yeah. in that grieving process. Either we, you know, some people they don't, they deny it. They don't want to face it. They, you know, so they push it away. You know, I'm not feeling that. And so some people, when they have a little inkling of a feeling, because feelings aren't okay in our society, they start Mm -hmm. to get emotional. They start to, you know, feel sad or, you know, and then, and then they, they don't want to do that. So they push that away. Now, some people get stuck in that sadness Mm -hmm. and they, it's just stuck and Mm -hmm. they don't, they and and you know depression is anger turned inward so they they might be angry but they don't know they're angry they don't know how to get it out of their body or their head and they just and they keep going around and they think and they believe that they can't get over it and maybe i remember when i was depressed in some ways i liked it i liked i mean (laughs) i mean in some weird ways i i I didn't for a lot of it but yeah you know sleeping all day how fun was that you know, yeah. in a way, because you get to avoid the whole world, you know, right. woo, you know, yeah. and, and it was kind of nice, you know, but in, in a way, I was the most miserable and I was suicidal. So it's yeah. just being stuck somewhere in that process of the grief process of the pain and they, they don't want to feel the pain. So now they're depressed and they mm-hmm. and they don't they don't know they're depressed, but yet they don't like it and they don't believe life is good. And it's just easier. To, it's easier to give up than it is to take action and so they they just kind of and they blame everybody else Mm -hmm. instead of taking responsibility for yourself if you're not happy you know it's your job to say hello i'm not happy what's going on here and to figure out what to do about it Mm -hmm. a go do psychotherapy oh you don't want to do that I mean, that's a really good way to, to do it. That's what I did because I wanted to figure it out. But what brings you joy? If it's mm-hmm. walking, go do that. If it's uh, riding, go do that. If it's cooking, go do that or gardening or whatever that it is that brings you good joy. Keep mm-hmm. doing more of that until mm-hmm. that that overtakes your mind. Take action. I always say you have to have yeah. uh, alignment with God. Yeah. Be authentic. Don't be mm-hmm. afraid to be vulnerable. Uh, have a positive attitude. Change that. Every time you think you're thinking negative, go stop. Just stop. <laughs> just stop it. Stop you know, it. and go. Just stop it now. You know, <laughs> just go. Oh, you know, I can't do that. Well, yes, I can. I just choose not to, or whatever. But saying yes is way better than saying no. And then um, take action. So the three A's there, but mm-hmm. you know, you just get stuck somewhere and the deal is just to get unstuck, to face whatever that is that you don't want to face, be willing to be vulnerable and it's okay to be vulnerable. We, mm-hmm. that's the only way to heal ourselves, each other, our relationships, society is mm-hmm. to be willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. And then that's take a, action. Yeah. That's a hard one for so many people to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is laying yourself wide open for yep. criticism, for yep. pain, yep. but it is a necessary step in connecting with people. Absolutely. Uh, and everybody, everybody has something. If you tell your story, uh, if I tell my story, if we tell our stories, somebody out there has the same story and, mm-hmm. and they can go, Oh, well, maybe, maybe mine wasn't blindness, but maybe Mm -hmm. mine was this other thing, you know, maybe I had to face whatever that is, and Mm -hmm. then be willing to talk about it with somebody. That's Mm -hmm. where your healing comes in. I mean, that's the way therapy works is because you're sharing it with somebody, you know, and they, and they get to empathize with you. And, and of course they have the tools to help you dig a little bit deeper so you can keep expressing that until it gets out of you. But you know, that's, it's all. 
So if you were uh, if you were soliciting places to speak, would you be more drawn to speak toward the those people with um, I'm, I'm going to call them handicaps? Is that should I? I mean, sure, you can call that. I mean, why not? Disabilities, handicaps, whatever. Disabilities. That's probably yeah. another word. Yeah. Um, would you be more inclined? Does your heart go more toward those people because we know so many people get stopped with those and use those as excuses? Are you reaching to any and all of us because any and all of us suffer the same things? Yeah, I, I think I do both, but I kind of in some ways go to any and all because I think there's more any and all of us. But and yet, with that said, we all have something. So mine's really? just really you know, out here on the outside, you know, it's blindness, but, you know, we all have some kind of disability in a way, you know, eating disorders or alcoholism or whatever it is, you know, uh, amputated foot, you know, whatever that thing is, but it even doesn't have to be physical, it's mental or whatever. We, but, and we all have those belief systems and we all have those things that stop us. So mm -hmm. whoever, whoever has a stuck place, I'd like to help unstuck you. Well, I found in my life, and I think I shared this with you when we do a little pre-call, I do a little pre-call with my guests to sort of share and talk about the show. So when we were visiting, I, I did I share with you that I had just lost two family members, my ex-husband, oh. oh, my wow. ex-husband and my sister oh, my. about a, a month apart, and mm. both were very ill. And, um, and it was, it was the first time that I had really, really, really experienced grief mm -hmm. and the grief was, um, interesting. Um, the grief was, <laughs> you know, how we delay our grief. Sometimes mm -hmm. we don't grieve it when we should be grieving. <laughs> if mm -hmm. we might. Right. Then right. It, then it blows up when oh, something sure. else happens. Right. So I don't think with my ex-husband, I had ever really grieved the loss of the dream of marriage, of that partnership mm -hmm. that went awry, actually. It just didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so it, I think that was intensive with that. And then my sister had, uh, had Alzheimer's oh, wow. and she was, she was gone and mentally. And mm -hmm. so, um, but for me, I had seen my mother die, but she she was 99 I mean mm -hmm. she had lived the best part of her life so my, the only thing I'm trying to share with you is that I've never felt the intensity of grief mm -hmm. like this I mean I was and I think it was kind of because of pandemic because I'd been I live alone oh. so I'd been together alone for mm -hmm. a year right, <laughs> you know, right. I mean I wasn't right. totally isolated but right. still I'm in Texas and you know, we do get out here, you know, <laughs> wild animals here. <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, but um, I, I think it was all of it just came together in this big, <laughs> oh, this is a big thing. And it just started mm -hmm. erupting. Mm -hmm. And I just had to, I just had to run away. I got on a plane. I went immediately to see a dear friend in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Nice. Because she could hear my grief. Sure. Sure. She would accept me no matter what I looked like, how it came out. Mm -hmm. And it was just awesome. the most. And so I've been so intensely interested in grief. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned grief earlier. And I wondered, how did you... Um, express your grief i mean you had grief over several different areas in your life mm -hmm. and you know I've, I've learned you should grieve over the simplest things like a child going off to college or moving mm. to a new apartment or but when you really get the when the intensity of the grief climbs it's really mm. intense right right then it can all blow up on you if you don't begin yeah. grieving when you need yeah. to yeah it's all so consuming. my question to you was were, were you uh, you were so young so did you ever do you remember those really times of grieving 
I don't remember. I remember being, I mean, I don't know if I consciously was depressed as a child, but I was. And mm -hmm. I know even as a teenager, you know, I didn't, well, I have some memories of being abused, but yeah. I don't know, you know, you're so busy growing up. I don't know if I consciously dwelled on that. You know, yeah. it's just things that happened and later on you reflect and go, wait a minute, this wasn't right. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't what supposed to happen to kids, you know? So, right. and, and my brothers and sister was mainly my brothers were always beating up on me physically. And so as a teenager, I can remember being, uh, and, and they would beat me up all the time physically, just it, like, let's pick on Gail day, you know, and what can we yeah. do to her? And, right. and so, and as a blind person, I couldn't run. You know, right. sighted, you can run away from them and you probably could see them coming, but no, not me. And uh -huh. so I was so depressed in high school. I can remember one of my teachers and it's in the book somewhere that I was so depressed because I used to sing and play guitar and, and, you know, I was always happy, quote unquote, happy uh, on the outside. <laughs> uh, but uh, finally it welled up in me and I wasn't singing anymore. And I can remember her dragging my chair across the dining room and saying, what's going on with you? And I didn't share because I thought I was going to get in trouble. So I didn't tell oh, her. Yes. So she, right. her and her infinite wisdom took me, uh, she told me to wear shorts. And it was like, mm -hmm. back then it's like shorts. Oh my God. I mean, I was in a Catholic girl school and you don't wear shorts, <laughs> you know, you wear dresses and, you know, but she told yeah. me to bring shorts the next day. And we ran her and uh, this other student and I ran for 45 minutes uh, on the school grounds and just oh. nothing but running. So, cause she knew to get it out of my body, you know, yeah. somehow. So your question was, how did I overcome the depression um, and grief and grief? So I didn't know about that. Let's see, probably the first time I really experienced grief, probably, uh, well, my grandfather died, but when I was a kid, but I don't, you know, I was 11, so I don't, I mean, I'm sure I was sad, but probably not. But the first time it probably really hit me was when my first C&I dog died. And I oh, probably would have yes. been like 35, maybe. Yes. So, and 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 unlike people that have dogs just as pets a cni dog we're with them 24 7 so one yeah. there's that but two uh -huh. there's i i put my life in her or his paws oh and so gosh, yes. unlike any other person and so to to lose that dog is mm -hmm. totally devastating and i remember it taking me a year to get over her um, my first dog that died and every single dog after that has been devastatingly hard. Yeah. Um, but you, know, you didn't have a, you didn't have a dog for a year. I actually, the, when my, my first dog, um, uh -huh. Gretel, she was 10 and a half and she got hip dysplasia. And so oh, I man. went back to get dog two, which was Lorraine, mm -hmm. both mm -hmm. shepherds and mm -hmm. Lorraine and I came home from the CNI the exact same day that my first dog Gretel died. Oh. Exact same day. She had a tumor on it on all her insides that, that burst. Um, oh. So I, I had a dog there. Gret Lorraine, I had uh, 12 and three, she lived to be 12 and three fourths. Uh, mm -hmm. She, they just said, oh, why don't you retire her? So I said, okay, uh, at 12, <laughs> she worked, you know, to 12 and, and yeah. probably they should only work to 10, but I didn't know that. So I worked her to 12 and then they said, you probably should retire and apply for a new dog. So I did. And so I got my third dog, Camber and Camber, um, I came home with him and I gave Lorraine to another family because I didn't at the time had an apartment and I didn't want two dogs in the same place. So yeah. I gave her to another family to raise. So she died like nine years, nine years, nine months later. So there's a little overlap there, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. when Cam Camber retired at four, but he, um, I kept him. And mm -hmm. so he lived to be 15 and a half. And so that was a really long relationship there. And when yeah. he died, I, I, yeah, I could not, I was totally devastated. It took I me bet. a year to get another dog. It, mm -hmm. it, I was just so, 
Yeah, it's just so devastated. It, it, I can remember just writing, I was writing my book at the time or editing, I think. And I just took that month editing. I didn't see anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. Mm -hmm. I just, I just said, no, I'm going to sit here and edit my book and cry and, and just, oh, it was so hard to, to let him go. And yeah. uh, after 15 years, it was, that was just yes. really, really it's hard. A long time. Yeah. And then yeah. I, one day I went over to a friend's house and she had a senile dog and I went, oh, I think I want one of these. So then I got Vinny, my, my next one, my fourth one. And Vinny, um, he's still living. He's 10, but he's, um, he lost his passion at seven. So oh. I've get, so I, uh, yeah, he started walking really slow, really slow. My trainer uh -huh. said, well, he could, he could be great if you're 80 years old and on a walker. <laughs> I could walk what? faster. I could walk faster with my cane. I could with him. <laughs> so, How do you get new dogs? I go, go through, to, yeah, I, agency? yeah, I go through the CNI Incorporated in Morristown, New Jersey. They okay. were the first people that that ever kind of came up with CNI dogs, mm -hmm. Dorothy Eustace, back in 1929. So they've been around oh since gosh. then. Yeah, so they almost yeah. have 100 years on them. And uh, so, yeah, that's where I go because they were the founders. And I believe if uh -huh. I'm going to put my, and they're the best school in the country, in my opinion, sorry, folks, yes. you know, if anybody else has <laughs> another dog, I'm sorry, but um, they're, the, they're one of the top schools, you know, worldwide. And, uh -huh. and I, I still think if you're going to put my life in their paws, that I should get the best school. So, yes, yeah, so, so I did that. And so, yeah, so Vinny's still, he's still hanging out. Um, and then Sarge dog five he um i only had him for six months he's a little golden and oh, some lady let her dog attack him in the middle of the street and oh. um yeah and on her and her little flexilead so um so he's off being a police dog talk about devastating oh that was another one yes. i mean Vinny, i mean they're all devastating when they they go if it's death or you know Vinny's still around but still let Vinny go to another person you yes. know, that was hard. He was my Mr. Cuddles. And yeah. he, he, he was with me with, he's on the front of the book, you know, he's, he's, he's my Mr. America, you know, uh, he, he's awesome. But, um, but I, I, I want another dog. I just went, no, once I had him after Canberra, I went, yes. I'm going to always have a dog. I love walking yes. with a dog. I like the confidence. I like the freedom. I like the dignity that a dog provides. And <laughs> um, I can do it with my cane, but it's more fun not to run into things than to run into things. So, uh, but Sarge, I felt like it was a, like a, uh, like a losing a child. Not, not that I've ever done this, but with SIDS, because I had him for six months uh -huh. and then he was ripped away. And he was wow. such a phenomenal dog. I mean, if he would have been a bad dog, you'd go, okay, but <laughs> he was phenomenal. Uh, and then, uh, and so then I've waited two years and I got Maggie, my last dog in March, okay. but she, I hurt my knee in five days into training. And oh. so, and I felt like that was like a little miscarriage. It was like, oh God, you know, and that was still was hard. Cause I, you know, I sat there and cried in the office going, this happens to other people. They're really sending me home. Really? No, I'll get better. But I, you know, didn't, I had to have six weeks of therapy, physical therapy and get a cortisone shot and all that stuff. But so that was hard too. So the, so, so do waiting. you plan to get another dog? Oh yeah. I'm waiting for dog seven. I'm hoping. Right yeah. I maybe. think I have an idea, Gail. Okay. You need to write a book on your puppies i i know i want to i want to take those all the stories sort of from that book and and the others and put them all together and yeah write a dog book you know i, I was, think that I, would I had be a, a great book i do too i because I, so many people are dog lovers and just yes. you know i mean my book has the dog stories in it but do you have i'm sorry people you have to go through all that other stuff to get to the dog stories <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's just what but i would like just to take the dog stories to have the dog be paramount and then kind of have my life be the secondary to the dog part. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I'll wait. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I Yeah. I had, okay. a I had, I had a title. It's something like, oh, I don't know, like the tales of Gale or something, you know, and then you could have <laughs> T-A-I-L-S or you could have the T-A-L-E-S, you know. You could... <laughs> yes. All right. Six, now, six like... tails, 24 paws, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yes. <I would. laughs> All right. Now we are approaching the end of our show time. And I am always so sad because I, 
I enjoy the time so much and it's been delightful today to talk to you. Yeah, but absolutely. You as well. Share with <laughs> share with my listeners how they can go to your website and um you're on Facebook and yep. Twitter I'm, and LinkedIn and Yeah, but I'm everywhere. Yeah. You are. You're even on YouTube. I am a little bit. Yep. You yeah. can hear me sing my pageant aria from there. Uh, ah. it's on, somewhere, somewhere. If yes. you dig deep enough, it's it's on it's there. there. <laughs> it's there somewhere. Uh, so what is your website? My website is just like the book title and everything else. If you anything about Gail is soaring into greatness. Because I believe we all have the ability to soar to, you said at the beginning of the show, you know, to be more than you are, you know, to keep, uh-huh. you know, so I'm all about that, that you can, right. you, there's more potential in you. So soaringintogreatness.com. Um, I think the Instagram is soaring.into.greatness, I think, something like that. Um, uh, yes, I'm not a, it it's is. a visual thing, so I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. But LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, it's all Soaring Into Greatness right. and, and the book, of course. And the so, book is available on Amazon and um, Audible, but it's also available for blind people through what they call Bard and Bookshare. Oh, so oh. for those people that do that. Cool. So you have a giveaway on your website and uh, tell us about that. 20 ways to 20 soar. 20 ways to soar. Yep. It's a little, um, just a little, I have all kinds of little giveaways. So you ask me, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 20 ways to soar, 20 ways to climb your mountain. But 20 ways to soar is just sort of uh, 20 little ways that you can overcome whatever the little challenges are. And I kind of equated it all to flying and birds and stuff like uh you know, yeah. don't, but don't be afraid. You know, it's okay to sit on your branch and, you know, it's okay to flap your wings and fly, you know, it's, a, and, you know, we all have to get grounded sometime because, you know, we have to go find our food. So right. you know, it's okay to nourish ourselves and, and all that, but yeah. yeah. So 20 ways to soar. I also yeah. have 15 do's and don'ts of how to be around a blind person. So, you know, if you ask me, oh, I'll say, that would have been interesting. To yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. I did a, um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, an interview with a lady that um, had um, wrote a book on grief. Oh, and cool. um, so we discussed in there simple things like how to go see somebody and what mm-hmm. to say, because, you know, people feel very uncomfortable in situations that they're not comfortable right, in. Right, right. So I think you would probably experience this in talking to somebody that had never talked to a blind person before. Right, because people will say, uh, did you see that movie? Oh, I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't say see. Oh my God. And they get all freaked out. It's like, it's not that I woke up today being blind people. You know, it's, <laughs> I, 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 I'm used to this thing. And yeah. seeing, I just see with my ears and my hands and, and my inner vision. Right. And uh, so, so, yes, I did see the movie or no, I didn't watch that last night. You know, so yeah, I just yeah. watched, you know, but yeah. so it's okay to say, see and watch. It, it, uh-huh. It's fine. It, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it, it's sort of interesting when we get in these new situations, we all make uh, silly mistakes or mm-hmm. errors that we go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. But <laughs> yeah. we're just trying, you know, we're just yeah, experiencing yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and people ask me if, like, if they see a blind person on the street, should they uh-huh. ask us for help or not? I always say, if it's in your head, ask us, you know, if because I sometimes I might it might look like I don't need help, but I really do. Cause when you have a dog going four yeah. miles an hour, you know, I, I may be totally lost, but you don't know it. So if I'm standing <laughs> at the corner of the street and you think, does she need help or not? Just ask me, I'll tell you if I'm good or not, you know? And oh. yeah, if it's in your head, ask if it's not in your head, it's okay. And it's okay. Here's another one. It's yeah. okay. I don't have these on my do's and do's. I should have some of these weird ones. It's okay. Oh, yes. It's okay that if a blind person runs into you with their cane, don't go, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh. And, and you get all freaked out. It's like the cane is doing the cane's job. The cane's uh-huh. job is to find the person. You just yeah. happen to be the object. I, you know, I'm so sorry, but, you know, and I usually just say, oh, nice to meet you. You know, it, yes. you're okay. You are okay. You have nothing to be sorry about you're just doing your thing and i'm just doing my thing 
and we just happen to collide, it's okay. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. now if you see me coming and you don't move, I'm sorry, that's your fault. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, those are really wonderful. I mean, they give us such freedom when we can hear from you uh, think examples of things that we might not ask because we didn't want to offend. Right. It's we, okay. You know? Yeah. We're used to being know. blind. We're used to it. Ask us away. We'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Nope, well, no, we no don't problem. walk much in Texas. Ah, you don't. When I get to the city, maybe, but I don't go oh. to the city much. Tyler is, yes, has a downtown area. We do have a shopping mall, but oh. um, we're kind of limited. Now, where mm. do you live? I live in uh, sort of the suburb of Denver. I'm in Inglewood, Colorado. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. there. Yeah. I haven't been there in years, but I remember it being beautiful. Colorado is beautiful. Yeah, you I guess know? so. Oh, yeah. It's there. yeah. <laughs> I think it's hazy today. It's 94 and hazy. <laughs> oh, from fires from oh, the yes. from the west. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, supposedly yeah. it's beautiful. I, I don't really ski in the mountains and do any of that but but uh but i like i like feeling the sun on my body and hearing the birds and feeling the breeze and seeing what god's done today out there of nature so oh and it, it smells different too yeah absolutely particularly when you get in the woods oh yeah oh yeah absolutely it's so, and so quiet yeah yeah let's go wow yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's very cool well gail this has been delightful absolutely i loved hearing your story I love sharing your message. It's so powerful. And um, so anyway, I really appreciate you for being oh, on Me to you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. I'd give you a hug if, you. If, if we could reach through the screen. <laughs> Indeed. I take it. I need more hugs. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We need 12 a day, they say. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. So, I've been deprived for what a year and a half now <laughs> i know i know so thank you and, and very now much that, and now we're out in, in public and we can get out a little bit people are like do i hug what do i do it's like yes. they don't know how to hug anymore it's like yeah. what i'm you can hug me now no <laughs> okay fine <laughs> i know may have to put that mask back on these days i, I know i know yeah but anyway Thank you very much for being here. You're welcome here. very much. My pleasure. Yes. So for my listeners out there, I think you have heard a jewel today. You've heard a very strong message that there is no limitation greater than you can achieve and move forward through. So I'd like for you this week, I have an assignment. I'd like for you to think of somebody that needs to know this message, needs to hear this message blind or not, whatever the disability may be, whatever the transition point that she may be going through, a death, a sadness, whatever it is, be sure that she gets to listen to Gail and the, the path that she has gone through to bring her to this message that she shared with us today. Thank you for being here today. It is always my pleasure to be here with you. So have a great week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.